0: And then it turned out that they wanted to like rob us. But the thing is, I left all my, my, my phone at home and I actually had a taser. Um, so I actually, yeah, so <laughs> Did I- Did Yeah, so I actually, I basically attacked this guy as he started robbing my, my friend. I got her bag back.
1: What's up guys and welcome to the Wide Awake Podcast. My name is Joshua Rubin and I'm your host for today. Today, I have a very interesting guest. He is a fellow white privileged Jew living in a South African township. <laughs> It sounds a bit mean, but he told me to say that. Cool. I'm gonna hand it over to you, man.
0: Nice to meet you. Yeah, great to be here, Joshing. Nice to meet you too. Uh, it's yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean that was quite the intro. It, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, but I had to tee it up for you. So easy, just had to just knock it out the park. <laughs> exactly. So nice American reference there. I think elaborate <laughs> it on a little bit. Just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you come from, and uh, yeah, a little bit about your background. Cool. Um, So I was born in the States to South African parents, and they raised me there all the way up until university. I went to university at uh, New York University, um, a very specialized program called the Gallatin School of Individualized Study. You basically make up your entire own education. And uh, my mom had just moved back to South Africa um, in 2013, and I came and studied at UCT for a year in 2014. That's actually when I decided to move into a township for the first time in Kailice. Um I stayed there for a year. We can get into some of that detail, but um, yeah, it, 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 had, it had to do with me trying to get closer to the people that I was working with. Um, I was growing a youth development foundation called Umbiozo. It was bringing together... Um, a variety of traditional song and dance youth groups so these are like after school programs that um, keeps the keep the kids off the streets and healthily engaged so um, yeah I just was like if I'm honest with myself I don't know who I'm working with and it would definitely be great to learn the language Um, so no better way than to just be in it so that was back in 2014 and here we are in 2022 and I'm living in Langa Township the oldest uh, black township in Cape Town yeah
1: and as a white person, what is it like living in a township? I mean, it's not something that you see every day, especially someone that comes from America. Um, I mean, what is it like now living in the townships? How has your experience been there?
0: Yeah, uh, well, firstly, I'm not even sure if everyone picks up that I'm American. Um, I, I'm not sure if just other, some people's ears are more well attuned, but they certainly pick up on my skin color. <laughs> <laughs> And um, you definitely hear the word "umlungu" quite a bit. Uh, which, you know, I hear it every person. time I go also- <laughs> to <talent> Trivia. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Um, it's actually, it's, it's a bit annoying just like how racialized our worldviews are in this country still. Um, but by the same token, once you get past some of those stereotypes, um, I think, I think, South Africans are also quite quick to pick up on common humanity and humility and all the sort of universal values that we we commonly appreciate. So um, I think I think and, and especially um, being able to speak is also when I've moved into Langa because my is also had improved quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think that already breaks the ice very fast. Um, and you know I, I I love making jokes, so like uh, they'll they'll sometimes ask me what my clan name is. So you know, dependulan jalo. I'm saying I, I I respond as as follows. Oh, delikad ebe, un tim kulo, un labed <laughs> zombini, un macho un <laughs> and what does that mean? <laughs> so, so, so it's basically, like, it's like saying the large tree, two ears. They're all, like, sort of symbolic references to ancestors. Because when you ask your clan name, you basically, like, you... Uyazituta, you're, like, introducing your ancestors. Um, And basically, um, it's just so ridiculous when I do it because it's just so obvious that, like, I don't have a clan name and I'm (laughs) clearly not um, (laughs) Khadebe.
1: And I think what you were saying is that the first thing people obviously notice is that you're white. And South Africa is still very racially divided, right? But I find when you go into a township, right? Obviously, the first thing they're going to notice is you're a white person. But with someone like you, I find you immerse yourself in the environment, you know. And I think very quickly, the fact that you're white disappears, especially when you know the local languages, Mm. because I think that is a big um, dividing factor between most white South Africans Mm. and black South Africans is that. We speak different languages, but I think a lot of white people, especially me as well, you know, I've in school, I try to learn other languages. I was never, I could never grasp it. And I think we take for granted that a lot of people in the townships, when they speak to us, they're not speaking in their own language. Mm. And I think they, a lot of people really appreciate it when you come into their environment and you speak in their language. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's, it's, it's just so apparent, you know, if you, even if you do what is, the most basic, you know, is also like, hello, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Like, you, you, I mean, anyone who does that, especially say in like a town environment, you know, it, it brings a huge smile and delight to people. Now, you can just imagine if you start to string some sentences together, they're like, i are <laughs> like, ooh, 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 morning, who are you? Like, you know, that's it. You don't
1: necessarily need to learn an entire language, but just, my cousin was was trying to teach me corsa um and i could i could never grasp it and uh, the the fact is you don't need to learn the whole language but just showing the fact that you're interested in learning mm. and that you're trying often goes a long way
0: yeah exactly exactly yeah i think i think it has largely been about the lack of effort that's been made on the part of white society that um is like so um disparaging to to black society and brown society um obviously that's those are broad generalized generalized categories at this uh, this day and uh, and age where there's so many immigrants and things like that but um yeah it's 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 just that always black and brown people have always had to make much more of an effort even in the post-apartheid era like you know they have to always do our mannerisms um speak English, et cetera, et cetera. And there's always that power relation there too. You know, when people are often coming into town. They're coming as workers, you know, and they're reporting to bosses. And um, you have a paycheck that's like on the line when it comes to your conduct and what you say and voicing your your opinions and things like that. So I think when you come in a, you know, when, when someone like myself comes into a township and then, there's nothing to gain or lose in our interactions. It's just like, you know, it's much, much more just, pure. Yeah, it's, it's quite it's, it's quite pure. Um, obviously, I do I do work in the townships. That's been a big part of my reason that um, I moved to Langa. Um, and so, the, I mean, the, that can get a bit complicated because, like, I do blur the lines of work and and friendship. And yeah, but at the end of the day, I think if you're like a principled person, values center, then it, it, it works fine. Yeah. Can you take me step
1: by step, um, the decisions and the things you had to do? Um, I mean, was it an impulsive decision to move into a township the first time, or was it something that you thought about and there was like a lot of things you had to do before you could actually do it?
0: Um, the first time I had come freshly off a social entrepreneurship semester a ter- or a term, as we say in uh, South Africa. <laughs> and um, yeah, one, one of the points of emphasis was on human-centered design. So th- there's like this whole design thinking that you can bring to solving social problems. It's called human-centered design um, or HCD for short. And so I think when I came back, I was, like, asking myself, really, have I done my research in terms of what what, what really are the blockage points for, in, in this case, as a youth development organization, a child to move from a point of um, a few opportunities, many structural challenges, such as, you know, poverty and poor service provision, um, to then moving into a successful um, adulthood where they get education or employment. Um, so... Yeah, I, I realized I could not answer those questions very well. And uh, yeah, so so I pretty much, I didn't go through it in any sort of scientific way. I was just like, I just need to live in the environment <laughs> and I'll get a better understanding. But then now, um, you know, in 2020, well, it was 2021 when I moved in March 2021. Um, it was more impulsive. However, I had been interested to live in Langa almost a year and a half prior to that and was, like, looking into places to, to move and stuff. Um, it's just that the pandemic offered a good opportunity. It was actually so quiet and so boring in the suburbs um, where I was, you know, staying at my my grandfather's or my late grandfather's home. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was, like, I'm trying... I want to make content. Um, I want to... Collaborate be, with people in yeah, the townships. Exa- exactly. So why not just be based there and I'll definitely have a much more rewarding lifestyle just living in the townships. Um, and I'll continue to learn Iskosa and so much more. And this is a serious question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I can
1: only imagine as a Jewish white guy, same as me, what would your parents, what was your parents' reaction when you said, I'm moving into the townships.
0: Mm. So <laughs> my um, the f- the first time in 2014, there was definitely a lot of worry and hesitation, um, or doubtfulness. Um, <laughs> eventually, I mean, I was just telling my mom, "Well, you don't have a say in it. I'm an adult, and I'm I'm, I'm moving, whether you like it <laughs> or not, pretty, mu- pretty pretty much, yeah." And um, but she she was like, "Let's just." make sure we've done our research properly and everything. And, um, so she, she had, she had me go with her to this like NGO and she was going to ask these women, um, whether they think it's, it's safe for me to do it. And eventually like, she's kind of beating around the bush. And at some point when she's like, okay, just tell me like, is he going to (laughs) die? And they just started laughing. They're like, no, he's not going to die. Are you kidding me? Um, so that was enough reassurance for her. Um, and then this time around, you know, it's even gotten into a like the conversation. I actually recorded it. I'll probably release it on my channel it's, at some point. But um, it, it was just a couple critical questions of how are you, how are you, what's how are you going to keep your stuff safe? Um, how are you going to keep yourself safe? Like, just they're just asking like practically, like, what, have you thought through the details? Like, and as you're looking for places to live, just bear in mind these things and that was like it was just a very supportive kind of conversation which I thought was beautiful. It was amazing, yeah. Yeah. Um, um and then and then um I actually lost my train of thought. Oh over to you. And uh in terms of where you're
1: staying now. So now you're living in Langa, who did you move in with?
0: Um so I I, put, I posted on one of the Facebook groups, um, the, like one of the largest ones for Langa, said I'm looking for a place to rent. Um, and someone who I'd actually uh, checked out the apartment of like a year and a half prior when I said I was first interested to move into Langa, um, he actually um, reached, out, reached out to me. He's like, hey man, long time. Uh, I see you're looking to move into Langa again. Uh, I think you should definitely reach out to these guys, Yoli and Sabu. Um, they're building something really cool. He was being a little vague because I think they were like, they'd only just recently launched this, um, this hostel, like the youth hostel kind of thing. Um, it's now transformed into a hybrid like youth hostel uh, co-living uh, co- co- space. Um, So you can do month-to-month rentals there and there's also rooms available for overnight booking. So that's where I stay now. It's called Zone 17 Co-Living. They're just working on the website and uh, otherwise you can check out their Instagram. You'll get a a sense of what it's about. And um, yeah, so I literally moved in like one week after I met these guys. It was like, this is a perfect fit. You guys are also trying to like promote integration in townships and um, yeah... This will just work perfectly because i run a tour operator um you have an accommodation these two can very much dovetail
1: and uh, the people that you're you're kind of working with in the townships uh, are they also i'm sure as like a content creator and someone that's trying to do the work you're doing through storytelling um, and video production um, i'm sure you meet a lot of other people in the townships that have very similar passions Um, And I I found that quite a lot in the townships where I've met people and they love videography, they love photography, but they don't necessarily have the equipment. Mm. Uh, Have you been able to collaborate with any other artists, photographers, videographers, musicians while being in the townships?
0: Um, Not too much as yet, because this has been sort of a getting set up kind of year. Um, I did a a lot of like videotaping my experiences because I I wanted to do like a, a vlog that just showed uh how possible it is to live in these environments um and actually and thrive in these environments and um so it was it was pos, it was pointed at me w- quite a bit but then as different events were happening i would sort of like volunteer the thing is also you don't want to necessarily lend your own equipment out because it's expensive and you know that's like i don't have like an infinite supply when you're of working equipment. On, a, on a
1: budget <laughs> your equipment is gold
0: yeah exactly so um, but uh, there are other filmmakers that I've networked with and I have this like WhatsApp group chat. It's just like basically called friends of Jason and Langa. Um, and it's been cool cause people have actually been sharing opportunities with each other. Um, a lot of the different friends have known each other. Like there's quite a, a lot of overlapping circles as is the case often in Langa cause it's just such a small township, um, but basically, yeah, I made sure to definitely get some like filmmakers in the mix. So there's like within that group chat there are there are musicians, there are filmmakers, there are activists, there are entrepreneurs, chefs. I mean, it, it's it's insane um, the amount of talent that's in in that group. Uh, so that's like, when you come and book an experience um, with my company, Side-by-Side Side Experiences, you get to, like, plug into that community and meet these people, hear their stories. So, yeah, the content thing's pretty new. Um, I've been doing the tour operator since mid-2018, introducing guests to various community leaders and awesome people um, of the township. And then, yeah, this YouTube thing was trying to bring it online. And I'm more and more getting into trying to... Have conversations, tough conversations on, you know, privilege and power, conversations on, um, you know, political change. You know, and I'm, I just want to moderate some of those discussions. So I'm still um, getting my, my studio, like, ready for, like, a proper launch where I'm getting guests in regularly. Um, and I, I do want to still have more conversations outside of the studio and natural environments and shorter shorter clips. Um, but I'm still sort of in just, like, an experimental um, phase. And, yeah, you'll just have to stay tuned because you definitely will see more <laughs> collabs. Uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm building this coalition of of um, creatives to to help me. It'd be so so. awesome
1: to have like a strong filmmaking community um, or just a creative community within the townships, you know. And what are some of the most like wild experiences you've
0: had while living in in the townships? Um, Well, I mean, I'm sure people are asking themselves, well, the whole reason why it's surprising for me to move in township is because of the danger factor, right? And um, firstly, there haven't been any breaking attempts um, where I stay. Um, and I do keep a lot of like gear in my, in my place. Remember I have like my studio is based in my room. Um, but, um, yeah, you, you generally have to know like when you can go out and when you can. not So on one occasion, um, it was, I think it was like Friday at like 10 PM. Um, yeah, we left, uh, my friend and I left just to go buy like a cigarette, but we couldn't find a place that was open and we asked these guys and then it turned out that they wanted to like. Rob us But the thing is, I left all my, my My phone at home And I actually Had a taser um, So I actually Yeah So <laughs> Did I you Yeah So I actually I basically attacked this guy As he started robbing My my friend I got her bag back um, But he'd already Taken the phone out So not, luckily Like nothing had happened um, I can just imagine My mom and sister Freaking out At this part of the video Because they don't even <laughs> know this I didn't tell them Close to the time They're probably going to be Like move out of the township now But uh, <laughs> But um, yeah I think I think the thing is it hasn't deterred me because it's still the like the context of what happened there like uh, local residents also don't go out at that time you know and walk around
1: and have you because i know um i mean i've been in the townships when there's been protests and and riots and these things are quite quite common to see in the townships you know mm-hmm. um i mean have you have you been around when
0: any of that's been going on and then back in 2014 um <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I even told my sister and my family this story either. So it's all coming out now. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my my housemate was um, supposed to be ho- hosting um, a world design capital event uh, in Kailicha at, at our co- uh, co-working space. And because there was like a protest somewhere else in Kailicha, they decided to cancel that event. Um and that just seemed crazy to us because we're like, that's all the way over there. It's like nothing to do with what's happening where we're located. So I think we tried to overcompensate and like document like that. You can even drive into this protest and it'll be fine. Um, meanwhile, I was driving a I was driving a Bucky like, which is a pickup truck um, with um, with like these stickers on the side or decals like of like drums and it says umbioso, the name of my last organization, which means celebration. It like looks so, it looks so, un- um, so unassuming. innocent. Yeah, unassuming and like in- innocent. Anyways, um, as soon as they saw like white skin, they suddenly thought it was like government because they're protesting service provision, you know, whether their cl- toilets are clogged or something like that. Um, and somehow like, I think the vast majority of those people protesting knew that I wasn't like government but um as soon as one person threw a rock they like many started throwing a rock and like Running toward the vehicle and was like whoa, whoa, and I just like kicked it into gear so fast. And drove like, Through yeah, so a couple rocks and, like hit the car. But um, yeah. So don't drive don't drive into um a protest. into a protest. <laughs> exactly. The same thing happened to me.
1: Um, because I'm a documentary photographer and uh, like I I I, well, I used to more more than these days. I used to document quite a lot of protests and riots. And uh, the one time I was in Joe Slovo, do you know Joe Slovo Township? Mm-hmm. And in Langa. No, no. Oh, no. there's another one Joe by noon or something? Or yeah, where it's, uh, it's close to... Mal- it's in Molnitzel. Okay. And uh, I was in Joe Slobo, and uh, I drove in with my car. So basically, uh, what happened was... I saw that there was a big pile of smoke coming out of the distance, and I heard that a uh, bus was set alight. Mm. So I was like, "I need to get to that smoke," mm. and the only, the quickest way to get it, get to it, was through the township. Mm. Uh, the longer way was to go around the township, which takes quite a lot longer. Mm. And uh, I knew that by the time if I went around, that it would be out. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get uh, video, uh, video footage, and photos of it on fire. And the way, um, the way. Uh, uh, Joe Slovo is built is that there's a main road that goes straight through the middle and there's just, it like divides the township. Yeah. And what I didn't know at the time was that there's, there was people lined up all along that road throwing stones. <gasps> um, but I was so focused on getting to the other side and uh, I just went straight through it. And suddenly raining stones just fell upon my Volvo <laughs> and there's dense Everywhere. It literally looks like someone's, like, graveled it, you know, which heck basically heck. it was. There was just, like, uh, there was just dance all over. It any the, idea why they were doing that? Hit the window. They were, just, uh, they were just trying to keep people out of the township. Obviously, you've seen both kinds of uh, living environments. But you know, you come from one background, and now you're living in the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has that changed
0: your view on the world? Well, I think it's been a view of myself that's probably changed the most, because um, I think when we grow up in these you know privileged suburban environments and also with like quite a lot of racial homogeneity i mean I'm referring to actually more to the suburb I grew up in in the states um you know it was very white and very affluent and on average um <clears throat> and you sort of don't even realize how lucky you are in in various respects um You don't even realize how white you are, you know, like, like, uh, like the, the fact that we can't even like dance well naturally is like already, okay, it's not natural. But the point is like the environment from like all the cultures that have, you know, been born not out of one generation, but like even hundreds of generations of like movement being woven into your society. Like you don't even realize how, um, yeah. and, And I guess I'm, I've also learned how to, uh, accept that I am white and not feel shame or guilt about it. I'm just like, these are facts. I, you know, have certain privileges, um, both legacy in terms of opportunities that uh, my forefathers have had some cases due to the um, deprivation of opportunity of others. Um, You know, you see when it comes to competition and marketplaces and things like that, you know, that already increases your chances of building affluence. Um, So I'm not, you know um, I'm, well, I'm well aware of this this country's um, backstory and how my family has benefited from that but that doesn't necessarily paralyze me or make me um, want to hi- like hide in a shell or only stick to my own um, if anything it's probably made you want to immerse more yeah I, th- I think so I mean I'm I, like so that's why I'm sort of committed for the next foreseeable future to really have like so many of these hard conversations where people bring their various experiences put them on the table compare contrast um get get real and uh I feel like that's just such a a humbling experience for for me to like see what other people experience and how basically just like how unfair it, it actually is right like you just dealt the cards you're dealt at um you know, at the beginning of your life and so many people don't recognize it as such, you know, some people start the race way further than others. And yeah, I I somehow think it's our collective duty to, um, get us all starting at the same starting point. Now, obviously that gets into interesting questions of like, what are the limits or the extents of like, you know, affirmative action and quote unquote, reverse discrimination, um, in order to, you know, advantage groups obviously that's very much necessary in, when a country has had such great injustice like you have to balance the scales um but then you also don't want to like go into areas whereby um even if your cv is like way better than the next person's like um all the incentives are just to have the job be done poorly you know that that won't make society function well either you know so um these are like some of the interesting ideas that i still like i'm grappling with when it comes to like race class and culture and how all these things feed into the phenomenon that we see and the the privileges we enjoy and the disadvantages that we lament so yeah how has your view on connection changed I Like I said, I
1: stay in a flat in Greenpoint and I met my neighbors for the first time like months after moving in and I always wanted to meet them because I knew they were young people and I just never saw them. And when I did, it was like everyone is so quick to just run inside and and be in their own space. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. has that changed for you since moving from a, a more privileged area into the township? Like how has your view on connection changed?
0: Yeah, I mean, my view on connection. Well, firstly, my experience on connection. Experience, uh, like li- yeah. Li- uh, Firstly, yeah, I mean, especially in the pandemic, um, and even now where it takes on a more pre-pandemic feeling, um, it is that what you described. And I also really didn't like that. I do think it is still up to you to just, like, we we all sort of recognize where um, it's like this double-think that's sort of happening, and all you have to do is just be like, ah, no, fuck it. I'm gonna just go and introduce myself. I'm gonna go knock on the door, and I've like done that actually before, and <laughs> like in in fresnay But by and large, it's feeling like, ah, oh, what's it for? I, what are we gonna talk about? Uh, you know, um, the fact that you have to make the conscious effort <laughs> to go today. I'm gonna go speak to my neighbors, yeah. where
1: it should really be just such a natural thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, so in the townships, I mean, it 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 also has to do with class you know and and the levels of poverty right so it would be different if these people had homes with garages and washing machines and everything that you could conceivably want within your contained unit but that's not the reality um, on the ground so people are outside doing their things and then they chat and and besides that i mean some especially in langa which is historic it's it's got several generations so some of your neighbors you know you if you're let's say 60 or 70 years old now you've been growing up with some of them since you were a child, you know, and that's, that's incredibly meaningful and naturally it becomes this web of connection. So I think also just the rate at which people move from different areas is also a, a big factor when it comes to that. Um, but I mean, from a, from a first hand experience is lovely, man. I mean, I love the fact that I can go out outside and get interaction anytime I want. You know, there's always people standing outside chatting, playing board games, um, or cards, um, others, you know, at a, a Shabin having a drink, you can you can literally go outside like and within a very like small radius find interaction to be... It, like, whether it's a grandmother, whether it's um, a little child, whether... I mean, okay, there's a shadow side to some of that stuff, right? Like, the fact that the kids are on the streets, like, is a problem. Like, they should be engaged in, like, healthy activities where there's positive role modeling happening for them and supervision. So... And same thing for some of those like amapara, the street, the street thugs. You know, like they're probably spending more time on the street doing things that are not productive for their their futures um, than they should be. You know, um, but I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna judge. That's just like the nature of how things have shaped up and how people are dealing with their circumstances, which I can never understand. You know, from a third um, person standpoint. And just to end off, in terms of your your stay in langa
1: how long do you think you'll be living in the townships do you think you'll stay there indefinitely and do you ever see yourself uh living somewhere else
0: yeah so for the foreseeable future i'm gonna be in langa yeah that's i'm loving it that much um but i'm honestly i'm so passionate about south africa and about um Like Langa in particular The township's at large But like I love Langa so much It's like insane (laughs) Amazing man Well thank you
1: so much For coming down To the studio today It's been absolutely Awesome getting to know you And uh, chatting about The stuff you do Very very amazing stuff Thank you brother I appreciate it Thanks again
0: Shout out to all you guys (laughs) Like, subscribe Smash that subscribe button Yes (laughs)
1: Actually that's a good point Definitely like the video I swear No one likes videos anymore Yeah what's
0: up with you guys What's up Did you like it? They Did like, you like it? it?
1: <laughs> okay, amazing. Well, thanks for watching, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Wide Awake podcast. And I'll see you next week. Cheers.